This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117, with a shout out to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Keep your heads up during this time of isolation. Stay positive. Play some games. Most importantly, finish the fight. Thanks for listening to XEP. Master Chief, out. Here we go. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 64 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, January 3rd, 2021. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we'll be looking ahead to the most anticipated games of 2021, along with what to expect from the major players, including Microsoft going forward, and we'll offer final impressions of the hidden gem of 2020, Immortals Phoenix Rising. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XCP, discussing all things in the gaming verse. As they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem, and not just a new week of gaming discussions here, not just a new episode of XEP, but a new year entirely. Happy New Year to all, whether you took a deserved several weeks off or not. I hope that you are diving into this new year with optimism and with plenty of excitement for what the gaming verse holds and for what the future holds for you outside of gaming as well. The industry certainly took a bit of a hiatus over the past few weeks, and in that vein, there's not much news to come out on, so I thought we would use this episode to look ahead to some of the most uh, exciting aspects of 2021, the most anticipated games, what it is we are looking forward to coming out, what we know, what we don't know, and in truth, there's a lot we don't know about 2021 in terms of release dates and what games are on the horizon, but I did pull a list of what it is we'll be looking forward to and what that might mean for the Xbox ecosystem overall, and I thought that's where we would start. I had several of you write in with those types of topics. I know Famous Seamus and several others wrote in just asking the most anticipated titles, what it is we're looking forward to, and we've addressed that some in previous episodes, but I thought it prudent to take a look at a a more refined list and really just dive into what it is we're most excited about. So in that vein and in that light, I thought it prudent to look at the release dates that we know early on, and there's a very short list of that. Hitman 3 is coming out on January 20th at last report for uh, multi-platform systems spanning both generations, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series S and X, along with Switch, though I don't believe that's going to match release dates. Uh, I think it's I think it's even happening like off system via cloud. But uh, this is this is IO's world and that Hitman world that they uh, really have made their own with a, a plethora and bevy of ways to assassinate your various characters. You're, of course, you're playing as Agent Forty Seven. And that's really all we seem to know at this point. It's just another continuation of that storyline that uh, the incredible Hitmans 1 and 2 took advantage of. I can tell you quite comfortably, I faded away from Agent 47 and Hitman uh, as a franchise as it became so refined that there wasn't the the run-and-gun approach. Uh, it just pushed, I, I pushed away from it a little bit in favor of, you know, stealth genres like uh, Assassin's Creed and, and Metal Gear Solid. Uh, they, they had a bit more 
versatility for my personal playstyles, but the Hitman games are intricate to say the least, and it will be nice to see IO Interactive really continue that whole uh, world of Assassin's Creed, not Assassin's Creed, <laughs> world of assassination, uh, and, and what it is that Hitman brings to uh, the forefront. I think those games also have had a really wonderful impact on the gaming industry. We've seen mechanics that they've used end up in other titles like the you know, no pun intended, the Assassin's Creed titles, uh, I suppose. And I am anxious to see how Hitman 3 plays out. If you are interested in Hitman, I believe one or, one or both are on Game Pass, and they certainly uh, are well regarded, and it would be well worth your money if you are interested in those those games. I certainly enjoyed my time with the first one. I just didn't really get into it. Uh, so take that for what you will. But that's on January 20th. And towards the end of January, of course, we have the console exclusive, The Medium. I believe it's a timed exclusive for uh, Xbox, at least for a significant amount of time. But The Medium from Bloober is coming to Xbox Series S, X, and then, of course, PC as well. This was the game that was set to come out in December, but was pushed uh, because they were worried that Cyberpunk would occupy all of their their media attention. And perhaps they are right, regardless of how Cyberpunk turned out. Uh, But it is a horror title, and it's going day and date into Game Pass. Now, I can tell you quite comfortably this is a game that I probably wouldn't have bought day one, but because it is ending up in Game Pass, I'm interested in. I felt the same way about Blair Witch, also from Bloober Team, and Blair Witch really surprised me for how much I enjoyed it. I am interested in the medium. You can count on me being there day one just to try it out at the very least, and I'm hoping that it delivers on its significant promise because it really does look like a next-gen title it does blend the real world with the spirit world and that's kind of its its gimmick is that you're a medium between the two and of course you'll be solving puzzles and working through there uh as well i'm excited for the medium but i'm not like losing my mind i was not distraught when they delayed uh and i think this is a great addition to game pass and a wonderful way for uh, xbox players as they arrive to their new systems having a next gen or now current gen exclusive game to check out uh, is a very good thing, is a very good thing. So I'm anxious for that to to hit. I'm anxious to see how it is well-received, or ha- rather if it is well-received and how people uh, take to it because horror is a niche genre, but we've seen many horror titles get critical acclaim and, and they become almost almost uh, just comfortable in the zeitgeist of people. Play, you know, Phasmophobia, I believe, is, is one that recently did that. And it's a brief and fleeting moment, but all the attention that it gets is a, certainly a benefit to the Xbox ecosystem as well as the Game Pass ecosystem. And perhaps those are one and the same for sure. Now, to say nothing else about this next game, it's that I am ecstatic for this one. While the others that I've listed with Hitman and The Medium are not necessarily ones that I would have bought outright, this next one is one that I'm planning to buy outright, and that is Outriders on February 2nd. Outriders, of course, coming to PS4, 5, Series SX, Xbox One, Stadia PC, the whole gambit sans switch. Outriders is one of those uh, drop-in, drop-out co-op games that looks like a live-service looter shooter, but it's not. Uh, it's it's kind of a all-encompassing part-action uh, RPG game, also a looter shooter element, but not a live-service version. And it's made, of course, by People Can Fly, who, in my opinion, have uh, something to prove with this particular game. They made the 
interesting, I think is a fair point, uh, interesting title, Bulletstorm, which I don't think aged very well, but really did have some cool mechanics and a lot of over-the-top uh, elements that in terms of gameplay was pretty cool. And they made a, a Gears of War game called Gears of War Judgment, which I think is wonderful. I think Gears of Judgment is fantastic. But I'm very curious to see what they describe as Mass Effect meets uh, Diablo what that means for players. You know, we've seen games like Avengers recently really just, you know, push back on the idea that not everything needs to be a looter shooter. We also had the impressive Borderlands 3 and Destiny 2 uh, Beyond Light expansion as well that says that looter shooters are great. How do you do that in an enclosed space without it being live service? I don't have the answer to that, but it looks like Outriders thinks it does, and I'm very curious to see what it is they have. Their art style, though, is what sold me immediately. I love sci-fi as a genre, and I love third-person shooting as a gameplay style, so I'm very curious to see what Outriders does, and I'm absolutely buying it day one, uh, even if the critical reviews are low, because I'm just so curious in what it has to offer. Uh, That said... I'm curious if anybody else is as interested as I am. I I loved Anthem, which I think gets me some flack uh, from time to time. I really liked Anthem as a closed-off single-player experience, and I enjoyed the gameplay of Anthem, though nobody ever really played it for me. Well, ironically, given that this is not a live-service game, that is seemingly very similar to what Outriders is going to be. So I have a lot of excitement for it, and we'll see. We'll see if people can can deliver. I hope that they do. Uh, because we need more top-tier developers to be on display uh, in an increasingly necessary year-round cycle of top-tier games. So cheers to them, and I'm I'm hoping that they're able to do something special. Uh, Next, in terms of Xbox platforms, I believe Riders Republic is in late February, around the 25th. That's, of course, on all platforms. That's the game that uh, is coming out that's kind of the, the spiritual sequel to Steep, from, uh, I believe Ubisoft is the one doing that? One of the Ubisoft stu- uh, studios is doing that one. But sports like snowboarding, downhill biking, wingsuiting, rocket wingsuiting, uh, bottom line, this looks to me like the 2021 version of the X Games uh, Unleashed, which is dope, and, and that's great. I'm curious to see if it catches on. I don't know who was asking for a spiritual successor to Steep in Riders Republic, but cheers to them. Uh, here's hoping that it does well. Uh, Let's see, scrolling through, and and I'm looking at a list here that IGN curated uh, for things that are relevant. Oh, It Takes Two. It Takes Two. This is Joseph Ferris' new game. That's coming out on March 26th, and this is on all platforms as well. I'm interested in seeing how this one goes, but I couldn't care less to play it myself. Of course, Joseph Fair is known for his his moment at the Game Awards where he said F the Oscars uh, and talked about it being so great. He did make a wonderful game in Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, and that is really awesome. He does make uh, wonderfully unique experiences like the most recent A Way Out, but I have very little interest in those particular style of games, and he promises yet again that it's going to blow your mind and do all these incredible things. Yay. Good for it. I'm very curious to see how it does. I tend to enjoy following the story of Joseph Ferris and the games that he puts out, as opposed to necessarily playing them uh, myself. But if you are interested in that one, do let me know, because I'm, I'm curious to get uh, the the ideas behind an interested mind on this game, because I just simply don't share it, and I struggle to empathize with you if you are excited for it. So let me know uh, what it is you're looking forward to about It Takes Two, and what it is that that draws you to a Joseph Ferris game. Because I I don't get the allure myself, but I really enjoy hearing others talk about that. So, you know, let me know what you're thinking on that one. 
Um, let's see. I'm scrolling through. Uh, I think we're pretty much out of the release dates category. At least I think we we are about out of the release date category. The next one up is is Back for Blood, and that one is listed currently as June 22nd. And I can't tell you how stoked I am for Back for Blood. This is of course from uh, Turtle Rock. They made most recently Evolve, which was that 4v1 uh, shooter. But more importantly, and even better, was that they they are the creators of Left 4 Dead. And Left 4 Dead 1 holds a very special place in my heart. It was one of my favorite horror games of all time. Left 4 Dead 2 is absolutely a better game, and they even put the maps and everything from Left 4 Dead 1 into it, and it's fantastic. I love the Left 4 Dead games, as I think a lot of Xbox fans do. But Back 4 Blood is essentially Left 4 Dead 3 in all but name, and I cannot be more stoked for some four-player co-op zombie-killing action. Like, that just sounds excellent to me I, i'm so in on that to just log on with kevin with with joe uh, with charles and just jump into wrecking zombies left and right i love that uh, as a quick side note if you are interested in that right now you need to play world war z that is a third person left for dead and it is wonderful if my buddies said at any moment they wanted to play world war z i'd be back in in the in a heartbeat for sure but back for blood uh june 22nd that's the release date on it, and that's a long time from now. So I don't really trust that release date, uh, but you know, cheers to them. It's Series S, X, Xbox One, PS4, PS5, and PC is the set amount of release uh, for them. I I'm stoked for Back for Blood. I want that game to be incredible. It has a lot to live up to in that it's essentially Left 4 Dead 3. So, oh man, I'm I'm very excited for that one. Very excited for that one. And uh, that's a day one for me, no matter what happens between now and then. A game that's not day one for me, and I'm going fast and furious through this. hope you guys don't mind. But a game that, that I'm really mixed on whether or not I plan to buy it right now is Far Cry 6. Now, hear me out. Watch Dogs Legion from Ubisoft, amazing. Immortals Phoenix Rising, uh, one of the hidden gems of 2020. I'm absolutely going to say it's one of my games of the year. Love that game as well. Uh, didn't play Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I did get a code. I haven't touched it yet. I need to put some time into it so I can give you guys proper uh, proper impressions of it. But I, I took the other Ubisoft games first on that one. Far Cry 6, though, is occupying a strange place in my mind because uh, Juan Carlo Esposito is just an incredible actor. He's their main villain. Uh, for Far Cry 6. Of course, we've seen him most recently in The Mandalorian. He's famous for Breaking Bad. An incredible villain, bar none. Far Cry 6 is also set to push the, the Xbox Series X to its limits. Love that. That said, Far Cry 5, I thought, was supremely underwhelming. And when we get high-profile you know, names as the villains in Far Cry games, they have very, very little screen time. Troy Baker, of course, was in Far Cry 4, we barely saw him. Foss, of course, the enemy from Far Cry 3, which is my favorite Far Cry game. Great, but very short-lived in there. And yet, all the marketing tends to revolve around the villain. In fact, I'll tell you this. If you've not seen the cover art for Far Cry 6, it's dope. Uh, because there is a center there. Are, the way that Esposito is positioned behind the protagonist, which is presumably the player... Uh, it makes his tie and red shirt look like devil horns on the kid, and that's a really, really cool bit of artistic element. There's a couple Far Cry covers that mess around with themes like that, which is which is interesting, uh, I suppose. But Far Cry 6, I, I love the gameplay of Far Cry. However, in Far Cry 5 and, and 
to a lesser extent in Far Cry 3 and 4, and uh, even, oh gosh, the, the one, the prehistoric one, uh, even in those, they have a nasty habit of drugging the player and taking away their ability to control and their environment and their settings, and that I found them very frustrating, particularly in FC5. In 5, I would be trying to explore a certain area or go on a mission, and I would walk through a field, uh, come under the spell of one of the characters, and suddenly all my gameplay elements were removed, I had no control, and then it just shifted me all the way away from where I was trying to be and put me in a different part of the map to kind of do this very small uh, you know, running gun section. And I didn't like that. I felt too often they would take the control away from the player. So I'm anxious to hear from preview builds, from people that are previewing the game, if that is still the case. Are these are there still these crazy drug trips in which the player is removed from the world that they're intending to be a part of and they're having to just mind their way through what it is the game wants them to do at that particular moment. To me, it runs counter to what Far Cry tries to be, which is an open-world first-person shooter experience, and I I really dig that. Uh, I'm I'm anxious to find out how this one goes, but I I don't know that I'd be buying it day one. I felt like if I could not play Assassin's Creed Valhalla right away, maybe I don't need to play Far Cry right away. I'm trying to do better about that, by the way, in the new year of not feeling like I have to play everything, Particularly because XEP is a solo show, I often push myself to play as many things as possible for coverage purposes. Um, and I think in, in 2021, I'm going to ask for less codes and try to be a bit more, I guess you would say, thorough and not push myself too far on certain things. We'll see. I mean, it, it just depends on the game. If I don't think I'm going to enjoy it at all, I don't think it's worth my time to, to bring you coverage of that um, because there are people out there that are interested in those things. So, you know, we'll see. I'm going to play that one by ear for sure. Um quick nugget of info here i just put this put this really in the middle of the episode there is a side project that i'm working on outside of xcp that i'm going to be uh, putting in in the works at some point where i can work with different creators and that will not be a standard xcp affair but it will be maybe once a month or so we'll see we'll see um oh and also xcp is on youtube i'll tell you more about that towards the end of the show so that's kind of cool um, let's see. So we're out of the we're out of the release dates section of this episode. We're out of the ones that we know real release dates. I think the Far Cry Six is one that might come rumored to be May twenty fifth based on the Xbox Store. But for now, we're we're pretty much out of release dates. So I'm gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna dive into the games that I'm excited for in twenty twenty one that don't have release dates. Stick with me. Welcome back, dear listener. I hope you are enjoying this episode thus far. Before I get to the rest of the most anticipated games for 2021, I would like to let you know that XCP is now available on YouTube. Whereas before we were isolated to various podcast services like iTunes or Spotify or any of the standard bearers within their Stitcher, I suppose, uh, I was able to find a very low-maintenance, easy way for me to transfer not just these the podcast feed into you know other platforms, but to YouTube as well. I currently do not have a URL to give you, and so I will direct you instead to the tweet, the announcement tweet that this episode carries on Monday, which I'll have a link to the XCP channel uh, in that. But I need to get to X amount of subscribers first, and given that it's a new account, it certainly doesn't have that. Uh, so in the early going, if you're willing to be one of those first 100 people to help me gain my, my own URL for the XCP, I would be greatly appreciative of that i am very excited to see that it is gaining traction over there and i would love for people to be able to check it out uh, more 
I also didn't want to incur a ton of production uh, time costs in any way, shape, or form. So it was a very easy, low-maintenance way to do it. It's just the audio version with an image. But I'm excited to see that it is hitting YouTube and that more people will be able to check out XCP because I'm, I'm very proud of it, and I would like to share it with more people. And I'm excited for the guests that we have coming up at some point uh, in the next January and February uh, element, and I want to share it with more people. So there you go. XCP's over on YouTube. That's kind of cool, right? Okay, guys, let's get into the rest of the games for 2021 that we know about, that we're excited about, and that we are looking forward to. Uh, without a release date, LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. I have to check myself because I want to say the complete saga, and that's not right. LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga is coming out at some point in the spring based on the most recent information. Mind you, these are not the same LEGO Star Wars games that we've played before. Instead, they're all new, and they're retelling the episodes 1 through 9 saga for the Skywalker family, which is really, really, really cool, and I had to be careful not to accidentally spoil anything in, in that realm. I'm stoked to see a new LEGO Star Wars game in general, because I love Star Wars, and I've been really digging a lot of what uh, we've been getting in the gaming space for Star Wars of late. Battlefront 2 really recovered itself in a, in a wonderful way. Star Wars Squadrons was, was really good, and of course, Jedi Fallen Order and there's a certain charm that come with all the LEGO games in general. That said, there seems to be a lot that they're doing differently from the standard LEGO games affair, and so I think that this could be positioning itself to have an entirely new era for what a LEGO game can be, and the fact that they're using the Star Wars license to do so makes me ecstatic. I'm really curious to see what it is they're doing differently. This is a day one for me, whenever that day is, for sure. Uh, I'm anxious to just get back in the world of Star Wars, and if I have to play with Legos to do it, I'm, I'm all in with that. And to say nothing else, the Lego games have been wonderful uh, in pretty much every iteration that they have. They are they're formulaic, but they are enjoyable, and they're fun, and they're, they're easy, low-stress games, and there's something to be said for that. Uh, let's see, as I scroll this continued list uh, that, that IGN put together, I'm looking at Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which I know a lot of people are excited for. I'm curious about that one, but not necessarily day one, have to play it kind of thing. Really and truly, what I want to find out is uh, how much of the fluff from the original games has been eliminated, because a lot of that was due to, to loading and memory fluff. So I'm curious to see just how much of that is cleaned up in these, you know, remasters as it were because they're not remakes, they're not redesigning anything. But they certainly want to keep Mass Effect relevant in gamers' minds. And that's a good thing, particularly as we saw that teaser that brings back the N7 and and the Mass Effect universe. It's important. It is very very important that they are able to do right by their players. Without a doubt, Mass Effect is coming from a, a troubled studio at this point after Anthem and everything else. So here's hoping Bioware can figure it out. We'll, we'll see. We'll see on that one. But I'm, I'm an iffy on that one. I, I don't trust it, but I'm super excited for Mass Effect fans. Uh, that's a narrative one for me. I want to follow the narrative of that game, but not necessarily play it day one, all, th all three, four games that are going to be in there. And that's just, I'm not really down for that one. I am excited, of course, for Battlefield 2021. Battlefield took the year off uh, in 2020. We didn't see a new Battlefield game from them. Battlefield 5, of course, was, was great. I thought at the time I really enjoyed that. That was in 2019, I believe. Maybe even 2018. Wow, Battlefield... It's been on hiatus for, some t hiatus for some time, but they've been great. And Battlefront 2 really recovered well. So I'm curious to see what DICE is going to do with... 
with this Battlefield license, I've I've seen rumors that it's going to be uh, near future, like like just just a little bit like Advanced Warfighter style future. I'm curious to see what happens in this particular case, uh, but we know very very little about it other than the game is coming. So, hmm. well, go as it goes, we'll see. Uh, Halo Infinite, of course, that's the big one. That's the one that everyone's talking about. Halo Infinite, you know, what's it going to be? They've delayed it, of course, into fall of 2021 to do a graphical overhaul. Lots of people, including me, have speculated that they should or should not get rid of the last-gen versions, that it shouldn't have to work on the Xbox One, that, that it you know, should do this, should do that. But it seems like they are headed in a a direction that the studio is comfortable for and i'm not sure we could have said that three four months ago but it seems like all the word that we're getting out of there is that they know what they need to do they know what they want to do and they've been given the time to do it and without a doubt they need to nail halo there's no way around it they have to nail halo and if this game is going to be coming out uh in november 2021 on the anniversary of halo and the xbox they have got to deliver, you know, 120 frames per second on the Series X. Need it's, it's a must. They've got to nail ray tracing. They've got to nail the graphics. They got to nail the story. They got to nail the gameplay. It's all got to be great for Halo Infinite because anything less will be a disappointment to fans at this point. And I do not envy the position they are in, but I am excited for their game. Uh, that's for sure. Oh, let's see. Oh, here's one I'm excited for. Chorus. Chorus. I don't know if you guys saw it. They spell it weird. Like it makes it look like Corvus at, at one point. But Chorus looks really cool. Uh, it's one of those like Starfighter games where you are playing in a third-person Starfighter, uh, going through the galaxy, blasting enemies. I'm I'm all in on that one. It visually looks impressive. It is coming to Xbox One. It's a multi-plat game, but it's going to be on last gen and current gen as well. But I'm anxious to see how they're able to take advantage of the series S and X and what they're able to do with it. It reminds me of Colony Wars in the best way. I don't know if any of you old school PlayStation guys know anything about Colony Wars, but those games were awesome. And they were like third person X-Wing versus TIE Fighter style games. And I miss those games. Bring those back. They remind me of Rogue Squadron. I want them back. And Chorus seems to be doing that. So I'm, I'm interested in that one. That one at the moment is a day one must play for me. But the more I learn about it, that could sway me either or. I'm not rooted in and entrenched on that one for sure. I am rooted in and entrenched on Crossfire X, and here's why. I do not expect Crossfire X to be wonderful. Of course, we played the beta in 2020, and it had very mixed reviews. Some people really liked the gunplay, but not others. I was very frustrated with its spawn system, but I enjoyed the game for being a free shooter that was going to be available on the Xbox platform, and this is an exclusive, mind you. But what's interesting to me is that the single-player campaign is being handled by Remedy Control, Alan Wake, and I want to see what they can do in a first-person shooter space. I don't know what they can do in a first-person shooter space. So it's a day one for me whenever Crossfire X hits, but it's morbid curiosity that is driving me. Uh, Control was fantastic when it came out, but of course uh, 505 had some really weird, really weird marketing stuff that really, I think, damaged the Control brand and damaged Remedy's brand. Uh, We know Alan Wake is a part of that universe. What does that mean? Is that world going to be exclusive? No. The answer is no, it's not. Uh, But could they do a spinoff? I want to know what Crossfire X is doing for Smilegate in the multiplayer space, for Remedy in the single-player space, and how that does their relationship evolve with Xbox. So that's one to me that is a day one out of sheer morbid curiosity, but uh, not promising based on the beta. I don't know on that one. 
Let's see here. Oh, Gotham Knights, Gotham Knights, Gotham Knights. This game is my number one most anticipated game outside of Halo Infinite. I could not be more thrilled to have the Batman universe being back in the fold. Uh, for me, I know it's WB Montreal. Of course, they made Arkham Origins, and I love Arkham Origins. I love all the Arkham games in general. That style gameplay is dope. But without a doubt, I'm just ready for more Batman. I think he's the best superhero to, to tell stories with, to take advantage of in, in a gameplay setting, and I really like what he offers uh, from a number of narrative perspectives. And Gotham Knights takes advantage of the Bat family. Nightwing, uh, Robin, Batgirl, Red Hood, they're all the playable characters, and as of right now, Batman is not. So I'm really excited to see what WB Montreal is cooking up. Is this a single-player, you know, 30, 40-hour game, 20-hour game? Is there going to be uh, a, a lot of expansion support with it? I really love the Arkham Knight DLCs that told stories. Those were wonderful. Do we get more of that? I just want more Batman. So Gotham Knights stands apart as probably my most anticipated game by far uh, next to Halo, without a doubt. And then everything else is kind of, you know, several tiers down the the, the platform there. But, but it's so in on Gotham Knights. And I, I wonder really... Uh, what this will look like on Series X. Man, I'm excited for that, without a doubt. Oh, gosh. Let's see. Resident Evil Village looks amazing after Resident Evil 7. I don't know how we could be anything but stoked for what the Resident Evil franchise has in store for us. Uh, I know there's been a lot of mixed mixed uh, games, to say the least, when it comes to the Resident Evil space. I thought RE3 Remake really disappointed from what it could have been. That said, RE7, it was just wonderful. Resident Evil 2 and 3 Remakes uh, did have a lot of good ideas, for sure. And Village looks dope. It really does look dope. So cheers to that one. Um, there's something different about Resident Evil horror to other game horror. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the brand. Maybe it's that it's had spinoffs and shooters, but it doesn't it doesn't instill a sense of dread in me like the medium or Blair Witch might, but it does scare me. So I'm curious if anyone else has that um, feeling there. I don't know. Resident Evil looks dope. Shadow Warrior 3, awesome. I like Shadow Warriors 1 and 2. If you like Doom uh, or Duke Nukem, like senseless, mindless first-person shooting, Shadow Warrior is a really fun franchise. Uh, Stalker 2, there's a lot. Oh, my gosh. A lot has been made about the Stalker franchise and Stalker 2 being uh, exclusive to the Xbox set series of consoles in 2021. It's coming day and date into Game Pass. I can tell you right now, don't know Jack Diddley about Stalker 2. Trailer looked neat. I thought it was Metro, but fine. It's a day and date into Game Pass and that's cool. But uh, a lot of people are excited for this one. I don't know much about it. So I'm more like on the fence, just curious for, for what's coming down the pipe. Uh, let's see. On, on the smaller side, I, I did put together a list of smaller stuff. Of course, The Ascent, Elden Ring is not small, but but I doubt it's coming out next year. Scorn coming out next year. Uh, the Gunk is coming out next year. That's that's pretty cool. Um, you know, the, there's a lot that we know and a lot we don't. And I feel like the amount that we don't know in 2021 is extensive. Like, and I mean extensive. And that makes perfect sense. You know, and I talked about these release dates for these games. It is hard enough to nail a release date for a title in a standard year in years now where we have a pandemic shutting things down and changing the way we transfer files and meet with our coworkers and work with others about uh, creating something that's just a lot of unknowns to hit a certain release date and so i actually like that we don't know release dates for some of these games and i would rather studios if they are financially able to take as much time as they can before they release content release a game so you know Cheers to that. Here's hoping it's good. 
Here's hoping it goes well. Uh, but uh, let me know your most anticipated games. What is it that you are looking forward to in the gaming space from 2021? What is it you're hoping to play? I, I listed, of course, Microsoft-specific stuff uh, here or relevant to Microsoft things. Of course, on the outside of that, I'm looking for God of War Ragnarok. Cannot be, cannot be more excited for God of War Ragnarok. That's going to be incredible uh, if it does indeed come out this year. I don't think it will, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. All right, guys, let's take a break and come back to some listener mail. Listener mail. Of course, we have several questions written in this week. I believe I addressed several of them uh, when you guys asked about anticipated games, and I tried to go through those thoroughly. But let's look instead to uh, a more recent writer, and Phenomenal X7 writes in with... Microsoft has been working very hard lately to win over gamers. They bought Bethesda, they have the best gaming service in Game Pass, and they keep pushing to make games even more accessible to the masses. Still, it seems they can't complete compete with PlayStation in terms of hype and consumer demand. What do you think Microsoft needs to do to change gamers' perspective about the Xbox brand? Phenomenal. That's a great question, man. Really and truly. Uh, it's a question that I think we accidentally answer quite often on this show uh, the the big thing with Microsoft versus Sony is that Sony has consistently put out Game of the Year-worthy titles that are exclusive to their platform. They've done that year over year. Uh, in 2020, they put out The Last of Us 2, Miles Morales, they put out Ghost of Tsushima, and there, there were one or two other smaller titles that didn't quite make that end-of-the-year list. But those are big games, and they're very good games. I may not have enjoyed The Last of Us 2, but it is a masterpiece of gameplay and storytelling. Microsoft has yet to have that. So when, you know, the common gent uh, or lady and their buddies are talking and they talk about their video game systems, having the game of, of, of the day, the game of the month, game of the year consistently to be in your exclusive space as the reason to buy your platform is a huge selling point. As much value as Game Pass offers, and that value is extensive, mind you, it's not a game of the year, right? It's not that one special game. I can only play Spider-Man, Miles Morales, on a PlayStation. I can only play God of War on a PlayStation. And the only plays on Xbox currently have been done before. You can only play Gears on an Xbox. We've had Gears all through the Xbox One generation. Sea of Thieves, 11 million players concurrent. Dope, awesome. People are loving Sea of Thieves. It's It's been around for a while, right? Halo, they had Halo 5. It's been around for a while. It's been done. And I think they need something that is new and fresh. Perfect Dark could be it. Avowed could be it. Uh, Elden Ring could be it. There's a lot that they've got coming down the pipelines that's exclusive from the studios they've purchased, things we know about, things we don't. Hellblade 2 certainly looks like it is a contender for a game of the year based on the very, very early footage, so it's it's a comfortable speculation at that point. But they need the game of the, of the hour. They need the game, the one that everyone's talking about. They need an Among Us type game. They need a God of War type game. They need something that is special and stands out to be only on their platform. Halo Infinite is poised to potentially be able to do that because its multiplayer is free. Sea of Thieves is doing very well and continuing to grow month over month. As I said, 11 million players now in the world of Sea of Thieves. That's awesome. 
but it's a niche category, right? And because they're doing a lot of things with PC, some of those numbers feel a bit fluffed even though they are not fluffed. So it's a matter of perception, and I don't think Microsoft should be trying to compete with Sony. And I don't think they are, if I'm being very clear. They should not necessarily be trying to be uh, that, that type of winner. Instead, they should be working on bringing value to gamers, keeping those engagement numbers up, and creating a diverse world for lots of people to experience. I think they're well aware of where they stand in gamers' minds, and it's that reason that you have xCloud, that you have the Xbox Series S, that you have PC, and they're working on as many ways as possible for you to enter into that Xbox ecosystem by way of your login and experience what they have to offer. Xbox is no longer bound to the box. It's no longer bound to the console. It extends beyond that. And I think that's what Microsoft is looking forward to. They, of course, did their partnership with Samsung. Phenomenal. And they're going to be having the Game Pass app available in Samsung smart TVs. So you can go over to your friend's house, and if they don't have the box, but you guys want to play Halo or Forza or Gears or Sea of Thieves or State of Decay or any of the other exclusives that are out there, you just need to log in. Or if there's a game that's not necessarily exclusive, but that your buddy doesn't own, but it's in Game Pass, you just log into your Game Pass, and there you are. That's how Xbox continues to proliferate and grow its brand and change the perspective about them. I I genuinely think it's already shifting, but it's quiet and it's subtle. There is a draw that Xbox has that exists very differently than PlayStation and Nintendo. And to be blunt, they should not worry about PlayStation and Nintendo and trying to out PlayStation PlayStation or out Nintendo Nintendo. Instead, doing their own thing, existing you know, in a cohesive environment with those platforms is the right thing to do. I genuinely think, Phenomenal, that 15 years from now, you're playing Nintendo games on Game Pass. I really do. I really do, and I'm not saying that to be silly or, or belligerent, but they're building an infrastructure of delivery, of content delivery, for the future. And at some point, hardware becomes too expensive, and you just stream things to people with a controller on whatever screen they choose. So I think that's the future of Xbox, and I think that's what it is we can anticipate from them uh, in, in the coming years. I know, Famous Seamus, you wrote in asking about, you know, what do I anticipate from them in 2021? More building of that infrastructure more building of that future. That's what I see them doing. Let's do one more question here. This one's from Edward Varnell. Uh, he says, since ReCore, oh gosh, Edward, already. Since ReCore didn't hit its stride and Ori in the Blind Forest did, should Moon Studios try to take on the ReCore franchise or should they redesign a game as a Metroid space harrier mashup oh edward oh i love you buddy you're great um recore recore really had a bad launch it, it suffered from a number of issues of the game not being ready at the time it was released alongside the xbox one which was a disaster at the time it released and the two did each other no favors that said the definitive edition of recore that is available on game pass is great the developers got the extra year to make the definitive edition. They added in the, the next robot. They really worked on a lot of things within it gameplay-wise. And I really enjoyed my time with ReCore once I played the definitive edition version. I really like that game a lot. Um, but, Edward, ReCore's dead. It's gone. Nobody seems to be calling for it. No one's asking for it. It's more dead than Rise 2, uh, which I still don't think is happening for, for a little bit longer. They're going to wait a little while. But ReCore carries little to no weight with most gamers, even though I would love 
a ReCore statue. I really like ReCore a lot. Um, as for what Moon Studios should do, I believe they partnered with Private Division uh, to publish games multi-platform going forward, and I do not see them taking on anyone else's IP uh, whatsoever. I think Moon is going to be working on something that is new and fresh and something of their own design and own making outside of the Ori franchise. I believe Ori is an IP owned by Microsoft, but Moon has been making them in a second-party capacity, but no longer will that be the case. Or there, There's a weird legality behind Moon Studios and Ori, but I don't think you necessarily are going to see them taking on anyone else's franchise uh, for some time. That's, I mean, that's essentially what Tim Schafer even said about Psychonauts, right? He's like, there are other people to make that game. We want to make ours. I would imagine the people behind Moon Studios uh, want to do the same going forward. They want to work on their own stuff. But to be fair, I've heard nothing in that space. I don't know at all what you would want from a Metroid Space Harrier mashup. I don't even know what that would look like. Star Fox, maybe? Star Fox Adventures? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know what that would look uh, in general. But I do want Record to come back somehow. So thanks for making me think about a great game. I like it. Alrighty, guys. Let's, before we close out the show, offer some final thoughts on a hidden gem or two of 2020. Zombie Army 4 was one of my hidden gems. I love that game. But I want to talk to you today about Immortals Phoenix Rising, and I will not go into spoilers with it, but I want to talk to you about my final thoughts with it. I finished the game. It took 40-plus hours at this point, and I really dig it, guys. In short, it is a better game in terms of gameplay, than Breath of the Wild. It outdoes Breath of the Wild than Breath of the Wild uh, does. It out-Zelda's Zelda, I guess you would say, in the same way that Astrobot outdid Mario for best Mario game kind of thing, right? Like, it takes what is established in a different world and creates it for itself and does it better in that respect. In terms of gameplay, in terms of writing and characters, it's nowhere near the quality of Breath of the Wild. In fact, I found the writing to get worse the longer the game went. I still had a blast, though. The universe is interesting. The characters fall flat because of their weird dialogue and the strange choices and really a terrible climax to the to the story. It just could not have fallen flatter with me. That said, I was kind of ready to be done with the game after 40-plus hours. But it's a must-play for fans of the 3D Zelda games. Like Breath of the Wild, you have shrines, which in this game they call them vaults, that you go around and you discover chests within them, solve puzzles, you battle all types of monsters. There's a really brilliant display of colorful landscapes uh, across any number of different biomes from beach-like territories, lava-type territories, to snow and greenery. I really liked it. I liked it a whole lot. This game does a great job at nailing its gameplay above all, and relieving the stress of the real world. Sometimes when we play video games, they can hit a little too close to home and the things that we are going on, and they don't help us really with that escapism. Particularly in in 2020, I found that to be difficult. I love Watch Dogs Legion, right? But that was oddly close to home in a couple ways, particularly amidst the election crises that were going on and the frustrations of, of false information that was going on. Watch Dogs Legion felt heavy at the t- some times when I was playing it. You don't have that problem with Immortals Phoenix Rising because it's set in such a fantastical, uh, near cell shaded universe. And it's just, it's bright, it's cheerful, it's fun. It offers you a break from reality in a wonderful way. There's no uncanny valley, uncanny valley, that's tough to say. There's no uncanny valley that's chasing you in terms of realism. It's definitively, definitively, God, it's killing me, cartoonish. And 
I liked it a lot, a whole lot. You'll be able to find this game on sale as most Ubisoft games do. If you see it for 40 or less, it's an absolute 100% must play for any fan of the 3D Zeldas, particularly Breath of the Wild. And at 60 bucks, you can't really go wrong either. I will tell you that I got a code for Immortals. I played through it, and then I decided to go purchase the Season Pass because I wanted to support them and see what that DLC takes us. Of course, they're going to be exploring some of the Chinese uh, mythologies, which I'm looking forward to as well. Uh, they did a good job with the Greek mythologies, mm, kind of. I mean, like they showed a lot of the myth, and that was dope, but the writing was just, just bad. It was just bad writing. I did not dig it. Uh, but I, I really like this game a lot a whole lot guys and so i would encourage you to check this one out uh, for sure that's it for me guys i hope to be playing the falconeer over this coming week checking that game out i snagged that one and i'm anxious to play thomas sala's work and and see really how that takes the xbox series x for a spin uh, for sure i hope that you guys are willing to check out xep over on youtube again the link to that episode or this episode, I should say, will be on my Twitter feed. And once I can get a URL locked down with X amount of subscribers, I'm in. But it's really neat to get to share XEP going forward. I have several guests lined up for the next month and a half, two months. And, of course, every uh, every three or every four episodes, you'll have a guest from the industry that I'm trying to bring you guys uh, information of and as their schedules allow. That's it for me, guys. Have a wonderful week. Happy New Year to you. Take care.